2: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday, the 18th of September. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on today's show, Lucas Podolski talks all things Arsenal and FC Cologne. We explore the letter O in this week's A to Z of Arsenal. Our Adrian Clark is back for another dose of the chalkboard. We kick off the Double Game Week review with our Arsenal Insider.
3: Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast.
2: I'm pleased to say our Arsenal insider this week is none other than former midfielder David Hilliard. David, appreciate your time, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Russ. And you? Yes, not too bad at all. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, before we talk about the trip to Stamford Bridge on Sunday, you were at Thursday's game. your open league against uh, FC Cologne. What did you take out of the game itself?
4: Well, um, you know, it was a great start to the game. Uh, I think defensively there was a couple of mistakes early and, and that unsettled the side. But uh, it was a great first half by Cologne. You know, the atmosphere was, was really intense with, um, with all the goings on before the kickoff. And um, I, I really enjoyed the night. I thought it was some good changes made by the manager, um, which had a big impact on the game.
2: Well, let's just remind ourselves of all the goals as they flowed in in a very, very entertaining night at Emirates Stadium.
5: Now it's with Elneny, chips it through towards Walcott. great run, controls but he takes it too close to the byline, tries to chip it back, Kolasinac on the volley, oh I say, 1-1, an immediate impact from the substitute, less than four minutes after the restart and the Bosnian has done it here. Here is Iwobi looking for Alexis Sanchez on the left-hand side. It's not the best of balls to the Chilean, but he'll keep it in play. Mera's has had to race across, it's still Alexis that has possession. Alexis on the edge of the area, wants to get the curler away. That's a sensational strike. Arsenal lead, Alexis Sanchez is very much back here. That is something special. Neni and Nacho Monreal combine once again, Kolasinac Hugging that touchline on the left on the halfway line. Finds Alexis. Alexis tries to knock it. Back to where Kalasanak and Kandu. Racing forward, edge of the area. Looks to find Wilshire, Leaves it for Walcott. Inside the area. Gets the shot away. Horn with a save. The follow-up here goes in. It is Hector Behring in following up inside the box. And Arsenal lead by three goals to one. And the Gunners have really turned it around in this second half.
2: OK, so Arsenal taking that 3-1 as we just heard, Dave. Um, a few fringe players got their chance. Um, who impressed you? Well...
4: I mean, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, when he made that transition into the midfield second half, I thought he, he looked really good. Um, I thought Alex, Alex Sanchez, I think he was a little bit down at first, but came up with a great finish at the end. There was a lot of lively work up front. Uh, impressed me, Nacho at the back, uh, second half, I thought he, he, he really pulled the team together. Um, and the whole second half performance, really, um, they really, really stepped out from the first.
2: And then, of course, that led with some good momentum into the weekend. I was at Stamford Bridge on Sunday to see the goal of straw, but one where I think few would argue that Arsenal were the better side.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think they showed a great resilience. And, you know, I didn't really mention um, Kolasinac in that first, uh, first game against Cologne, but um, he impressed me at Cologne, got his start at, at Chelsea, was very strong. And I think that, that set the tone for the whole game against Chelsea. There were some strong challenges, good resilience from the side. Made enough chances to win the game, I feel, as well. Really unsettled Chelsea. It's been difficult the last few seasons going there. Um, and they showed, showed a lot of character, I think. You know what got a lot of people on their side at the moment.
2: What I really liked, David, as well, was the intensity of Arsenal's performance, the ground they covered, but in a very targeted and measured manner. There seemed to be more of a structure and at times just more of an overall plan to, to how to beat a team of Chelsea or at least contain them enough to get the point in the end.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there, there seems to be that 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 system seems to be working. I think since the Bournemouth game, they've really, you know, got it together. It's been a decent run of games. The Chelsea game was going to be the difficult one. Um, we've got Doncaster coming up and then West Brom, so there's there's a good run of games where we can where we can maintain that system and keep working on it. But I was listening to Aaron Ramsey after the game saying it, the way they played slightly higher, it allowed them to recover into their defensive positions quicker and. And that's where it all starts, in the recovery to your defensive position. Because if you don't concede goals, you, you know, you can't lose games.
2: Well, let's hear a bit from Aaron Ramsey speaking post-match.
4: Yeah, I think we needed that against a,
6: a top team um, to come here. You know, in recent years, we've, uh, we've struggled. but.
4: Um, we showed today what we're capable of doing, we're capable capable of competing against the best. Um, And yeah, we showed solidarity, we showed um, that we can create chances against them and on on another day we perhaps might nick that but it's what we needed after Liverpool.
2: Aaron Ramsey there and I guess the other key point as well, David, is this being the norm now for Arsenal, away from home, up against other teams in and around the likely top six. The Liverpool performance you want to be the blip and this to be... The kind of benchmark.
4: Yeah, well, I, I think they've sort of they've set, they've definitely set the tone of how they, what they need to do, how they need to approach these games. The managers made some good changes, as as I say, um, and and it's worked in the side. I think uh, the only disappointment for me, if any, was I think Lacazette was just a tiny bit off his game, but the manager was quite happy to pull, bring him off and you know change it. And I think that that shows that the team are, are adapting to those big games, like you say, and, and learning to sort of maybe have a slightly different game plan when you do go away to, to one of the top six sides.
2: And that positioning, I think, that you touched on already, and you would know, of course, having played in and around that position yourself, that Ramsey-Jacker combination did seem a lot more sturdy and a lot more effective, I felt, this time around.
4: Yeah, I mean, granite, granite sat a little bit deeper and, and let Aaron go off and do his little turns and twists and try and open play up. And I think, you know, looking at his last couple of games, Aaron Ramsey's looking very confident in that role, and, and he's, he's reveling in it a little, little bit. You know, he's, he's enjoying it, which is good to see. Um, and we just need a tiny bit more end product, but that will come. But like I say, I think the, the main thing is to start with the defensive side of things, the shape of the side, and the grit and the resilience. We saw some really heavy challenges going in, but not just that. The, the closing down had a good intensity and good structure about it, um, which sometimes we've, we've had the intensity, but not the structure. Um, and at that level, you'll get punished. But uh, we certainly showed that we can compete with one of the best midfields in, in the Premier
2: League. And finally, to get a point for the first time in six attempts and get a clean sheet for the first time in 12 attempts at Stamford Bridge, it's a big statement. And I'd like to just highlight Laurent Koscielny. I thought he was immense at the back. I thought he led brilliantly.
4: Yeah, it was very strong. I mean, we, we, we know that um, Morata's dangerous, you know, his, his aerial presence and he showed he's got a lot of pace as well. He, he was, I think mean, he was Chelsea's quickest player on the day. Um, Yeah, handled him really well. Kosh did, and and so did Mustafi. I think you know it would have been easier for him to sort of come back in the side and have some mistakes in his game, but he kept it really tight. I think you know they they played really well across the back, you know, all in all all together.
2: And as we let you go, mate, we're about to hear from Lucas Podolski as the next part of the show. Any favourite pod moments on field or off for you?
4: Well, I I have seen a a video of him. in a few funny videos he's pretty good at those but i think he'll be <laughs> he sticks out in my mind best for just coming off the bench and smashing some goals in you know i think everybody knows he had one of the hardest strikes ever um too, too too many to mention for me when he comes off the bench i think he was the the highest goal scorer from from substitutes in the season his last season so um you know he's he's obviously a, a good striker of the ball
2: yeah, and the crowd rising as a result, as you say, to some stonking finishes. David Hilliard, really appreciate your time, and thank you for uh, once again being our Arsenal insider. Thanks
4: very much, bro.
2: Lucas Podolski is a serious cult hero for both FC Köln and for Arsenal. A former Germany international spoke to Arsenal media's Nick Bromsack head of his former teams playing each other last week.
7: Do you still get to watch a, a lot of Köln games and, and a lot of Arsenal games as well? Yes, because, you know, always,
8: you know, as a footballer, uh, you know, of course, uh, first you're playing on, on the pitch, but as well as the life of the pitch. And, uh, you know, I have great memory memories uh, as well, of course, in Cologne because I'm from Köln, uh, but uh, as well in Arsenal, you know, mm. from the first day, uh, I feel well in the club, with the players, with the coach, with the staff and, uh, with the fans and, uh, you know, they make a song for me and, uh, always good atmosphere, always passion and, you know, I'm still, still, still in love with the fans of Arsenal and, uh, I, I'm, I'm a gunner and, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to coming back one day, you know, to visit the stadium, to visit the team and, uh, you know, to, to say hello to the fans and, uh, you know, because you know, my heart is always there, like in Cologne or in Istanbul, where where uh, you always remember something when there's when it's something good, and you know this 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 station was 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 good so far, so that's why I always you know always a gunner in my in my heart as
7: well. It always seemed as though you had a, a very special relationship with the fans, not only in in Kern, but in in London as well with the Arsenal supporters. That was something that you always seemed to place a great emphasis on.
8: Yeah, because it's always important, as I said before. You know, okay, you're playing, fo- you're a footballer, you play for the for the 90 minutes, but as well, a club, a club is as well. The fans are the club as well. The fans are been always there. You know. Vena uh, Podolski or Uzi Metesaka, you know, they always be changed some, on, on some days and new players will come, but the fans and the heart and the logo and everything will stay forever. So, that's why, you know, uh, the fans are always something special and uh, the fans was special as well. The stadium, uh, the logo, the gunners, you know, and, uh, you know, the Asian tour, what we did was great and, you know, I have a lot of memories and, you uh, this is always good when you finish your career and you know ah you have great uh, three years in in London with Arsenal you have great memories memories in Istanbul or in Japan or or in Munich or in Köln so this is always important then uh, when you finish some something you have great mem- memories on and as well off the pitch and this is important always for me and what, the fans as well
7: what are the, the standout memories from your time at Arsenal.
8: It's difficult to pick one because you know I always get the question, of "What was your best goal?" But it's difficult to say because you know every moment is something special for a situation. You know, you know my goal and at uh, at Enfield, you know for Arsenal, you know the the derbies against Tottenham and uh, but as well when I when I come came off the bench to the warm up in the Emirates and the fans stand up and and singing my name and. Uh, this is all. There. This is always, you know, there are always memories for for, for that as well. Not only are you scoring a hat trick and you are a hero, but as well the small the small things. Like I say, you standing up for the warm up, Wenger sending you to warm up, and uh, the whole stadium standing up and and uh, shouting your name. So this is always something something important. Or. Uh, the the picture with the fans in 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 uh, in, in Tottenham with the fans uh, in the stands uh, and this is uh, you know as well a great memory and the the Asia tour and you know other things other goals uh, the Champions League goal the volley and there are a lot of things but as well or not of course in London the city uh, the, the people who are working for, for Arsenal, the staff, you know, always friendly, always helpful, and, uh, you know, you just have to come there, take your boots, and, and uh, playing soccer, and, uh, you know, this was something, something, you know, great in the club, and, that's why Arsenal is a big and a great club.
7: You mentioned that, that picture, I was actually going to ask you about it, at White Hart Lane, after we beat Tottenham there, Um those derbies always seem to be especially big and especially important for you, and you really seem to Im- embrace the culture of, of beating Tottenham.
8: Yeah, of course. You know, you playing, you playing football, but you're playing as well derbies, and derbies are always something special for me. You know, I come from a generation who always fight on the pitch, like you know. Now the derbies becoming like a little bit too friendly for me, so. I'm, I'm. You know, when when there's some something important, a derby, you know, for me it's always important. You have to fight on the pitch, you have to fight off the pitch. Uh, uh, you have to get a yellow card, or you have to, you know, you know, get the fans to 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 motivate and everything. So that's why always derbies. Derbies are always for me something something special.
7: The a. A-
9: or oh, Charlie Torch
2: can hit him. Oh awesome. Pires. Pires towards Henry. And found a goal. O is for Ozil. Mesut signed for the Gunners on deadline day in 2013 for a then club record fee from Real Madrid, and he's lit up the Emirates ever since.
5: It's a lovely touch from Giroud. Sets Ramsey away. Ruzitski in the middle. Ramsey's picked out. Oh, what a finish! And it's the first goal for
9: Arsenal, for their record signing, it's Arsenal 1, Napoli nil.
5: It's going to be Mesut Ozil, beautiful goal, wonderful technique and Arsenal have doubled the lead. Arsenal are rampant, Theo Walcott into the penalty area, back to Mesut Ozil, 2-0 to Arsenal, this is superb stuff and they've doubled the lead.
2: Oh, is also for another left footed magician, Mark Overmars. Mark was instrumental in the Gunners' double winning season of 1998, scoring a vital goal in the FA Cup final, the day the title was won as well against Everton, and of course in the title decider against Manchester United. The pass, and it's over.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host.
7: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
9: He's passed his journey, and Arsenal have taken the lead. Well, one Dutchman may be missing, but the other one is there. And already he's left his mark on the 1998 FA Cup final. Mark Overmars. And Overmars is still going forward. It's Mark Overmars and another one. Well, no wonder they hold up the trophy. It must be going Arsenal's way now, the crowd. I'm watching brief for Ian Wright. a mistake by Ball and elke got his head to it and Overmars can roar past Watson here. Wonderful, wonderful goal for Arsenal. Oh, it's Overmars. He's done it this time. Arsenal have scored a Premiership goal at Old Trafford and it could well be a winning goal in this match and a double over United this season.
2: That final goal was scored at another O, Old Trafford. The Gunners would secure another double there in 2002, courtesy of Silvan Viltor.
9: Oh, a mistake by Silvestre! And here's uh, Wiltor. And Jungberg, he's in again, pushed out by Bartosz. Wiltor! Arsenal have scored yet again in the Premiership, and it might just be... The most important goal of the lot. Yeah. Silva Wilta. Yeah. Yes, says Arsene Wenger.
3: The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark.
2: Adrian Clark joins me at the Chalkboard to Clarkie wearing your own clothes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You lent me some clothes last week, didn't you? You bailed me out uh, I did. because I came down to London and, and forgot. My wardrobe, basically. Um, so, yeah, I had lots and lots of people come up to me in the streets saying how well I looked. Um, so it was remarkable. It was, it was quite
2: a pleasant surprise. I saw you at Craven Cottage. You were both covering Fulham Hull. You were there basically in your underpants saying, I've forgotten all my clothes. <laughs> Help me. What did I do? went home. We're both 5'10", both about 12 stone. Then yeah. you're full... Pair of changes of wardrobe to get you through,
6: but not underpants. No, I, I have to state. Stay
2: with those, <laughs> and you aren't getting with them back today. I believe as well. Uh,
6: um, yeah, I've got them with me if you need. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Clark, it was a pleasure to help you out. Yeah, thank good you very to have much. You back clad in your own attire, and first of all, question at the chalkboard: What next for Theo Walcott?
6: Oh, good question. Um, well, he needs to train well. I think first and foremost, because it's difficult for him with the, with a new formation. There is no obvious place for, for a natural winger. I've been in his situation, by the way. I, I was a natural winger, and I saw at one point during my my time here went to wing backs. I wasn't a wing back. Yeah, I wasn't really seen as a striker either, and, and in those days we didn't didn't have the guys floating behind the front. So I, I know where he where he's coming from at the moment. What he needs to do is, is train hard. He needs to catch the manager's eye and take his take the opportunities that he does get. And I would imagine he'll get a chance against Doncaster in the Carabao Cup and in the Europa League. And look, if he plays really well in those games, if he scores goals, then he's got a chance. And I would say he's got. Best chance of playing up front. If anything were to happen to Lacazette or Giroud, maybe he'll get his opportunity as a striker. Failing that, maybe he needs to turn himself into a wing back. I just don't see him doing that job. So I think a striker is his best chance of getting a game long term. But yeah, he's just got he's just got to be professional, keep his head, and not get too dispirited because if he loses confidence by being out the side, then he's going to find himself in a vicious circle and, unfortunately, he won't get those opportunities I'm talking about.
2: And we think about, obviously, the Europa League to keep returning the Carabao Cup, as you've said, this midweek. Yeah. For he, of quite a few other players, these opportunities hopefully will keep coming, and particularly when you see someone like oh. Danny Welbeck coming off injured in the yeah. game at the weekend?
6: You always get injuries, and we, we, we've seen a potential problem for Danny. We don't know the extent of that yet. So, look, throughout the course of a season, everybody gets a chance. And, look, Theo Walcott, OK, he's not featured much so far this season, um, since it all began. He scores goals. He scored a lot of goals last year. He can make things happen. It's just at the moment, he's becoming a forgotten man It's down to him to ensure we don't forget him. And he's got the opportunity, I would imagine, in the the cup competitions to remind us and the manager what a destructive player he can be.
2: OK, so West Bromwich Albion next up in the Premier League. Looking forward to commentating alongside Stephen Hughes for us mm. for that one. Um, that's going to be a really interesting challenge I'll never forget last Christmas. Was it Boxing Day with Giroud's header? Yeah. Right at the death and you, you and got, I were on together. You got quite excited, didn't you, Russ? Oh, it was vital. Vital, that goal, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I just, that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of this fixture. Yeah, you, you burst my
6: eardrums that, that <laughs> night, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a tough fixture. It's a tricky one because they're just awkward to play against, aren't they, West Bromwich. We know what they're about. Then they're, they're not pretty on the eye. Um, but they can if if you're not at it they can make life extremely difficult and, and Arsenal were, were made to wait extremely late for that, for that winning goal so um, yeah, look we've got to be on our game for this one
2: and the Baggies started the season very well they were second in the early table yeah. for a while weren't they they've yeah. tailed off a tiny bit but they're still getting some decent solid results
6: they're not going to score a load of goals I think that much is obvious I like Rodriguez. I think up front he, he gives them something different they haven't had in recent years. Phillips is a really good creator down the right hand side, very powerful winger. So uh, they've they've got good players. Krakowiak, who's just come in at central midfield, he's a nice little pick up, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, they've got they've got decent talent, but I don't. Just Tony Pulis is not an attacking coach. He, when he sends his team out, it's primarily with a clean sheets mentality, and that's what they're about. And He's got a very solid defence. He's got three centre-halves in there. He's got Gareth Barry in front of the back four. I think that was a really astute signing. So, uh, and Of course, I think he'll uh, equal, won't he, uh, Ryan Giggs? Mm. But no, I think he will break Ryan Giggs' record against Arsenal if he features. So, um, so, yeah, but history might be made.
2: And Kieran Gibbs, potentially, up against his old club. Mm. Uh, an opportunity at, what, 27 to just have that next stage of his career go... In a maybe slightly more kind of targeted way, shall we say?
6: He needed it. He just needed it. He needed. He he's been a really good player for Arsenal, very uh, reliable down the years. I'll never forget his contribution in that 2014 Cup final. Arsenal wouldn't have won the cup with, without his his sterling work that day at Wembley. And yeah, we wish him well. I just felt that he'd got a bit stale here. He needed a fresh challenge, and. Hopefully, he'll get plenty of opportunities for West Bromwich Albion. I'd imagine he will give them a whole new dimension. They've needed a left-back for a long time, West Bromwich Albion. They've, they've, they've had piecemeal players plonked in there for a while now. He's a natural,
2: and I think he'll fit in just fine. Love that analogy, piecemeal players plonked in. That's really well described. <laughs> um, if you were Arsenal, we'll come on to the team talk, of mm. course, in a second, but on a wider sphere, if you're going to try and break down a team that is that physical that defensively minded as West Brom? Do you just keep plugging away a la last season or is there more to it?
6: You've got to be nimble, I think. You've got to be sharp with your, with your interplay. I was really impressed with the passing, Nick, the, the quick one-twos and the triangles against Chelsea. I thought they were outstanding at times. Chelsea didn't live with them. West Brom won't either. Um, you've got Gareth Barry. He's not got great legs. I think you're looking at, uh, at a few of the players and, and there are certain weaknesses. You... <laughs> Actually, I was going to say you don't go too aerial against West Brom and Jabba, and I stand by that, but what happened last year was that plan A didn't work and we did go aerial and that's when Olivier Giroud came on and made the difference. So um, you've always got to have two or three game plans up your sleeve if the first one doesn't work.
2: OK, then, so what is, if you are Arsene Wenger preparing yeah. for the game, yeah. what is your five-second team talk pre-West Brom?
6: speed. Speed, speed. Fast start, fast movement, fast passing and kick the ball out for throw-ins, not corners.
2: Clarky, loving your work. High time, we went toe-to-toe in another part of the show, which is the Brain of Arsenal. Brain of Arsenal. Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor Liam Roberts joins us in the studio
3: talking of a tyre, Liam, looking snazzy. Yeah, so who, who's going to be wearing, what, next week? We're going to, <laughs> going to have a mass change of clothes. I'll try you know? Clarkie's clothes next week, yeah, let's do it. Is so <laughs> that going to be the forfeit? It?
2: <laughs> well, talking of Butler for the day, of course, is the brain of Arsenal
3: potential forfeit. We've almost had a little oh, no, bit of I know, she didn't that.
6: give me that shirt. That shirt would have been much, much better, i got to say. But anyway.
3: that's the top shirt, i get out for myself for the show. <laughs> audio podcast, come on, guys, audio <laughs> podcast. OK, so um, last week, Adrian, you beat Russ with John Lukic. John Lukic beat Dennis Burkamp. So yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Russ, you came up with a new topic.
2: Roe I of Arsenal. did, which is the Emirates as a stadium. So, Emirates Stadium
3: building history up until it started. Nice and vague. I like it. Nice and vague. So, um, <laughs> so, your choice this week. Do you want to go first or second? I'll get it out of the way. Let's go first. Okay, so four questions on Emirates Stadium. Good luck, Russ. Thank you. <laughs> Starting now, can you name the two bridges that pass over the Northern City Railway line that connect Drayton Park to the stadium? One of them's Danny Fisman. Correct. Oh, The one I don't ever use because
2: that's not the way I come. Oh! Well, I was literally reading this on the tube on the way in, where I, again, didn't come across the bridge. I can't remember.
3: The Ken Fryer bridge. Shall I give come- a half point for that? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal, brutal. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, question two. Um, which royal officially opened the stadium? It was Prince Philip because the Queen had a back injury. Outrageous. Okay. <laughs> You're not going to make up the point. I'm sorry. try. Okay, what is the official capacity of the stadium? 60,432. Correct. And what date was the stadium officially opened?
2: Now, I think officially opened was the Dennis Bergkamp testimonial yeah. against Ajax, and that was the 22nd of July
3: 2006. Correct. Oh, he's good, isn't he? he Three is out good. four. Three and
2: good. a half to most people. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: think the question was, name the two Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Excellent so, effort, Russ. Well, thank played. You. well played. Well played. Not yeah. going to lie to you, I'm I'm rooting for Russ this week because it yeah. is very difficult to get more questions on <laughs> John Lukic. So the man um,
6: with the hardest handshake in the history of sport. It's
3: not one of the questions, man. Here we go, John Lukic. Um, when was John born? What you want the date of birth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did look
6: at it. I think it's December. Right, no- what
3: are you complaining
6: about? Uh, <laughs> December 1960. Yep. I think it's my favourite uh, Eleven,
3: my favorite Correct. number. Correct. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, <they're> <laughs> <laughs> okay, question two. How many consecutive seasons was John and ever present at Arsenal?
6: Oh. I know that he had three purple patch seasons. Um I think it was 87, 88, and 89. I'm, I'm gonna go for three.
3: Correct. Oof. Ah. Okay, what does John share in common with the following players? Yeah. Peter Shilton, Steve Grizovic and Stanley Matthews.
6: I know it. I know it. Sorry, Rash. He, unbelievably, actually, what an achievement this is. He played across four different decades. He played in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and the noughties. tremendous achievement. Correct.
3: Yeah, it was naughty. Wow. Okay, and for the win, how many clean sheets... Oh, no. ...did John keep in the 1988-89 league winning campaign?
6: Oh, yeah. Well, this will be pure guesswork. Um, I will go for... Unlucky for Sam 13. It's 23. 23?
5: 23 clean 23 sheets.
6: 23 clean sheet. <laughs> that's incredible.
5: Okay.
3: That's so, with s- my half point. A <laughs> <laughs> I,
6: was so, I was shrewd,
3: wasn't I? <laughs> a score draw. So, it's, uh, it's one of second draw. Second draw of the season. Mm. Um it's a big draw so, for me, though. Big draw. Big draw, yeah. Is, uh, so, what we're going to do this week, do we want to change... I'd like to stay personally because there's a huge amount we've not even gone into for our listeners about the Emirates Stadium. So, Russell, uh, would you like to change? Please
6: change. Well, just (laughs) purely on the basis that you asked me
3: to change, I'm going to refuse. Okay, (laughs) More work for me. (laughs) The horns (laughs) re-locked. Lukage v Emirates. All you've got to remember is I've got to go really deep on the next question. Yeah, that is true. true. No-one's ever won trying to do three straight weeks on a topic. Well, locked in now. Score draw next week... The rematch, Emirates Stadium versus John Lukic. Thank you very much, Liam. Clarkey. when can we see and or hear you again?
6: I'm um, having I, I mean, a short break, actually. I, I will be back um, to do the breakdown after the West Brom game, so I imagine that'll be up on Tuesday evening. We'll catch you a week today, of course, on this show.
2: The final word. The final word this week belongs to an invincible. On this day in 1998, Freddie Lundberg made his debut for the Gunners, and did this. With Mars again, Oh Hughes.
9: I don't know whether he's looking for Jungberg, but he's found it. What a way to start an Arsenal career. Frederick Jungberg, on as a substitute for his debut in the English game. And he scores against
2: Manchester United. Well, that's full-time on this week's show. Our thanks to Lucas Podolski, to David Hillier and, of course, to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. We'd like to know how we're doing on the podcast, so please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can subscribe as well and find us on Acast these days. Remember, get your questions into Clarky for the chalkboard on Twitter using the hashtag Arsenal Weekly. We're back on Tuesday, the 26th of September gives that Monday night clash against West Brom. We'll bring you all the reaction from that game. Until then, it's bye for now.